Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson, and today we will get to Elizabeth Warren, new gun control laws in Virginia, and of course, a CNN article that says the American dream is better in Canada than it is the U.S. Okay, so a lot to get to today, but first we start with Elizabeth Warren. So the press recently interviewed her, and someone particularly asked a hard question to her because she's had a lot of trouble with this in the past. So they basically a- asked her why why voters would want someone who who lies. And here's what she had to say. Okay, so there we see Elizabeth Warren saying, "Why would any want? Why would any voter want a political candidate who lies?" So if you couldn't hear, the guy basically asked, "How could the American people want someone who lies to them?" We obviously saw that Elizabeth Warren struggled with this question a lot. She she stumbled the first couple of seconds, and then she's like, "Wait, well, why would anyone want a political candidate that lies?" She knows she's guilty in the past of lying about a ton of things, and we'll get to that in a couple of seconds. But first, I'd like to get to the point how ironic it is that she says, why would anyone want a political candidate that lies? Now, what she's saying isn't necessarily false. You want someone, you want an honest candidate, right? Lots of lots of voters are looking for that. They want someone they can trust, and they want someone who has the same values as them, but if someone has the same values as them, but they don't particularly trust them, voters may not vote for them. So what Elizabeth Warren is saying isn't necessarily false that people will want an honest candidate, but it's kind of ironic coming from her, especially because of all the things she has lied about in the past and on the and on the campaign field. So let's talk about a couple of those things. Now Elizabeth Warren isn't is very guilty of a lot of things. So we'll just get to some of those. First, the whole Native American thing. She claimed that she was a Native American that helped her get into Harvard, become a Harvard professor. Maybe, you know, Elizabeth Warren's a pretty smart person, but that definitely helped her get into this place. So she was lying to basically secure a job for herself. Now that's a pretty big deal, right? What if she took that job away from someone else? She basically lied to to try to secure a spot in this position. There are many funny jokes. I feel like I've talked about this on the show before, but you've got the Daily Wire who made a shirt saying Warren won 2020th, referencing the amount of Native American blood she actually has and the 2020 election. So, hence, Warren won 2020th. So you've got that big scandal. Now, when anyone, someone lies about their identity to help to benefit themselves, especially in such a big position like that, you probably should not be trusting them. Now, Elizabeth Warren did come out and apologize for this whole thing, but is she really sorry after she had a whole career and was able to benefit so much from that? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't forgive her for this, but she obviously has some trust 
issues and voters should definitely be taking that into consideration. And then the second thing I think of, this is more current. I've talked about this on the show before. There's the whole Bernie Sanders versus Elizabeth Warren thing about how Elizabeth Warren claims that Bernie Sanders said that a woman could not win. No, I'm not necessarily saying that this is false. We don't know what happened that night or that day when they met and talked about the 2020 election. But let's take a look at this for a second. Who's more honest in your opinion, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren? I I think most of us can choose Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren has changed her political views since like 2003. She used to be pro-capitalist. Now she's pro-socialist. It kind of almost seems like she saw how successful Bernie Sanders was, and so she's just pretty much copying all of his views, but, you know, bringing in some new things to try to get voters to vote for her instead of Bernie Sanders. Like, she was pro-capitalist 2003, and now she's a full-out socialist. So, if it's between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, I would... I trust Bernie Sanders a lot more. Now, am I saying I disagree with Bernie Sanders? No, I disagree with him on literally almost everything. But Elizabeth Warren has definitely had some trust issues on the past. And the way this whole thing came out, how how she, she said this happened in December 2018, but now she's saying it two weeks before, two weeks before Iowa. That's a big deal. If Bernie Sanders said that, why wouldn't you just say it then? You know? If why did why would she want to wait this long? She's obviously obviously just trying to dig up dirt on Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders denies this, so we see that Warren has had some trouble with her with trust in the past, and now she's full out saying, "Why would anyone want? Why would anyone want someone who lies?" Now Elizabeth Warren does have some support. But after all this has been happening, Elizabeth Warren doesn't even want to talk about the fact that she said Bernie Sanders said a woman couldn't win anymore because it's actually hurting her politically. So she's basically just running an ad against herself. I could definitely see Donald Trump running an ad on this in the future if she's the nominee, which at this point I don't think she'll be the nominee just because her poll numbers have been dropping. She's losing support to Bernie Sanders. Even then, Joe Biden's ahead of Bernie Sanders. She's losing a lot of support. She had her moment from, like, say, June to October, but that moment's gone. She's just slowly declining. But, say, one in a million, just kidding, more than that, but say Elizabeth Warren does win the nomination, this will definitely be something that Donald Trump will run against her just because it really exposes a lot of a lot of who she is, I, she's been lying about all this stuff, and then she's saying, if someone lies, you know, we try our best, but why would anyone want to vote for her? That is something Donald Trump is definitely going to be use, using against her if that still happens that she wins the nomination. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, just, that's just a quick, uh, quick update on Elizabeth Warren. Since we're talking about Elizabeth Warren, let's just talk about a couple of the other candidates. Bernie Sanders in a recent poll, has lost momentum to Joe Biden. Now, Bernie Sanders really needs to win Iowa because that will give him future momentum and help him in states he already has a lot of support in, such as Nevada. Now, if Joe Biden wins Iowa, which is looking a lot more like a two-way race between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, Joe Biden has a lot of support in South Carolina. Tom Steyer is a little bit of threat 
is a little threat in South Carolina, but that won't likely be an issue. And if Joe Biden is to take Iowa, he will most likely take South Carolina. He already is. And that will give him enough momentum in the other states to win the nomination. So I'd say Iowa is probably the most important state of this whole primaries, the primary debates, things like that. Whoever takes this first state, that's going to be a very, very big advantage to whoever does. Now, Elizabeth Warren won't likely be able to do this just because her support is dropping and there's so many people in front of her in the polls in Iowa right now. But if she can take that, I don't know how much that would do for her. It will mainly it will mainly be between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, and whoever takes that will get a lot of forward momentum. That's something Joe Biden really needs, and that's something Bernie Sanders really needs. We see this is really becoming a two-way race between the political candidates, between all the political candidates left on the stage. However, there the new rules for the next debate after Iowa have been released, and all you need to do to get into the next debate is to win one delegate. Now, this could be really important for people such as Tom Steyer, Mike Bloomberg, and Amy Klobuchar. Now, this is definitely a lot, or even Andrew Yang. Now, this is definitely a lot easier than what it's been in the past, and if these candidates can get one, just one delegate, that will that could help them get back into the debates and give themselves a second chance to show voters that they're ready to be president. So you might be able to see even maybe Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang hopping back in this race, which is something you really need if you're them. Now, the one person I would keep my eye on is Mike Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg has been spending tons of money in ads recently. He still doesn't have a ton of support, but if he were able to win Iowa, that would not win Iowa, get at least one delegate in Iowa, that would be pretty big. He can make it to the next debate stage, which he's never done before. He's already running tons of ads. He he does have a lot of money. Those two things combined could help him in the future, but again, that's somewhat unlikely, and it's likely going to be between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, as we've already been seeing. So that's a little update on the presidential candidates and what Elizabeth Warren had to say about lying. So next, we get on to the phase one deal that was signed. So according to Time, quote, China has agreed to boost its U.S. goods imports by $200 billion over two years. The U.S. Trade Representative says December 13th, said December 13th when the deal was announced. That includes increased purchases of soybeans and other farm goods that would reach $40 billion a year. China has also agreed to stop forcing U.S. companies to hand over technology and trade secrets as a condition for gaining access to China's vast market demands that had frustrated many U.S. businesses. In return, the Trump administration dropped plans to impose tariffs on $160 billion of Chinese goods, including many consumer items such as smartphones, toys, and clothes. The U.S. also cut tariff on other $112 billion of Chinese goods from 15% to 7.5%. Many analysts argue that the results are fairly limited because the cost of the administration's 17-month trade war against China. U.S. farm exports to China fell in 2018 to around one-third of the peak reached six years earlier, though they have since started to recover. Now, before we get into what this means, especially for the United States and China, I just want to talk a little bit about tariffs in general. 
So many people are opposed to the tariffs. However, you do have people on both sides recognizing that this is a good thing. For me personally, I believe that the tariffs are a very good thing that may, that will, I'm not going to say may, they will hurt the economy in the short term, but it'll actually bring a lot of prosperity and jobs back to America and really help us in the long term. Now, many people don't like that Trump is doing that because that hurts his chances of re-election just because it might hurt the economy in the short term. But I think that just really shows us something about Trump's character, that he's willing to do what's right even when it do- it's not it's not good for his re-election. Now, do I think Trump will still be re- re-elected? Yes, of course. Many of the presidential candidates left are not very strong and Trump can easily take them on. However, lots of the stuff he's doing is showing us that he's not really concerned about about re-election as much as he is working for the American people. So as I stated, tariffs are definitely going to hurt the economy short term. You're going to have big businesses who are doing business over there have to raise their prices because there's tariffs on the imports, which won't be good for stocks and the economy in general for the first couple of months, maybe up to a year. But what will end up happening from this is you actually bring jobs back to America. Now, we've already seen this with GoPro as they've moved their production out of China. But you have big businesses who like to move their businesses to places where it's super cheap to make your product. So, for example, I, I one example I believe is Nike. Now, they make lots of their shoes outside the U.S. And heck, just look at anything in the store. Everyone's always complaining that everything is made in China. Nothing is made in America. In fact, people will make just buy made in America shirts because you, they want stuff to be made in America and they support American jobs. But lots of these other places have a lot lower minimum wage, so it's a lot easier and cheaper for big businesses to make their product overseas or in different countries and then they import them to the United States to sell them at much higher prices. Now it's a very strategic move, it's a very smart move, it helps smart as in save money, it helps you save a lot of money and grow your business very fast. So what tariffs are doing is saying hey if you want to make if you want to make your product outside the United States that's fine but to import it it's going to cost quite a bit of money. We've seen it dropped recently to 7.5%, but it used to be at 15%. So what will end up happening is it will no longer be the cheaper smart move for businesses to make products outside the United States. So what will end up happening is these businesses will move from places to China back to the United States where they started. Now this is good for two reasons. First, you bring you you have a better economy just because you have more businesses in the area, which will also increase the amount of jobs you see. Because jobs are coming back to America, especially big ones, you they will need employees that they lost because they had to move back to America. And that will significantly lower the unemployment rate, even lower than what it is now, which is something we've seen is really good statistic under Trump. So while this may hurt the economy in the short term, this is really good in the future and will create a much bigger economy in the future if we allow these tariffs to keep going. 
Now, second, China is not very good about their trading program. Obviously, I'll just read this again, but this is according to time. China has also agreed to stop forcing U.S. companies to hand over technology and trade secrets as a condition for gaining access to China's vast market demands that had frustrated many U.S. businesses. So, have you seen before, China is not very good about open trade. You know, they want all the trade secrets before they're willing to trade. So, China is not the best place for stuff like this to happen. Now, another thing that's good about these tariffs is it actually benefits small businesses. And that's because of the fact that if you're a small business, you're most likely not going to be able to produce things overseas and import them back to the United States. Whereas bigger businesses that are able to do that can do that and that will end up saving them money. So then you have big businesses able to sell in the prices for even lower, which makes it harder for small businesses to grow or their new idea or innovation to grow. So many people complain about big businesses. These tariffs will actually help small businesses. It will bring jobs back to the America, bring jobs back to America. And while it may hurt the economy at first, it will actually be very good for the economy in the long run. Many people love the fact that some things are made in America because everything we use is made in China these days. That's what will happen. Many people are unsatisfied with the employment rate. That's less of a thing now just because it's so good under Trump. But bringing jobs back to America will uh, decrease the unemployment rate. So that's a little bit about the tariffs. That's why I believe they're a good thing. That's why many other people on both sides of the aisle believe it's a good thing. But you're also forcing China to come to the negotiating table. China is is more vulnerable now than the United States is from this. So I've, as we've seen, we've gotten a very good phase one deal from Trump, from China that has allowed, we did cut the tariffs, but we've gotten a lot of things that will help people such as our farmers. It will make trading more fair. As I've already talked about, trading wasn't very fair. So that we've seen a lot of good come from this. Trump is doing the right thing regardless of whether regardless of whether this this will have the best effect on the economy right now. Now, does Trump have a very good economy? Yes, he does. But what many presidents will do is they'll wait till the second term to do something like this because they don't have to worry about re-election. Donald Trump is doing this in his first term, showing us that he's more concerned about the American people than his actual re-election. Now, is he concerned about his re-election? Of course, but that that just shows us something about his character that I hope we can all admire. Okay, so next we get to Virginia. Now, there was a gun rally, I believe it was today. Uh, There's a Virginia gun rally against some of the new laws. So here's what Daily Wire had to say about this. Quote, a pro-Second Amendment rally taking place in Virginia's capital this week is expected to draw tens of thousands of protesters, all gathering in Richmond to express their opinion their opposition to a slate of controversial gun control bills pushed through by the Democratic Majority State Congress and backed by Democratic Governor Ralph Northam. Ahead of the rally, Northam declared an emergency weapons ban at the state capitol and law enforcement has gone on high alert, the FBI already making some arrests. After four out of five Democrat-sponsored bills controlled Sponsored gun control bills easily passed the Democratic-controlled Virginia General Assembly last Monday. Three of the four bills passed in the Virginia Senate Thursday. 
The three bills that made it through included a law that would allow local authorities to ban weapons from public spaces during some events, another that limits handguns purchased to once one a month, and a law requiring background checks for all firearms. Now you can see from this, this is a clear violation of the Second Amendment, which gives people the right to own guns. But Democrats and leftists on are going crazy all over Twitter. We'll get to that in just one second, what they have to say. But let's just talk about this for a second. Now, there have been Supreme Court cases that have stated that you can't have a law that interferes with the Constitution. What the Democrats and people on the left have been doing is they've been working at this very slowly and very steadily, but they are slowly taking our rights away. For example, if they're able to slowly limit guns to the point where you take away guns, what's next? The First Amendment. The founders put the Second Amendment in because they wanted to protect the First Amendment. I feel like I've said this quote every time. It's one of my favorite quotes and applies to pretty much everything I talk about on the show. You have a democracy when the government is afraid of the people. You have a tyranny when the people are afraid of the government. So trying to restrict guns even more, that's not good for the United States. You need to protect against tyranny, and slowly taking away guns isn't going to solve the problem, as we've already seen. Taking away AR rifles does not do... It hardly does anything to the crime rates. It does not lower it hardly at all. So, very bad move, I think, by Virginia. But the second thing that concerns me probably even more is the fact that they declared a national emergency to take away, to ban all guns. Here, here's what it says. A national emergency weapons ban at the state capitol and law enforcement has gone on high alert. Now, many people have been talking about this, and the fact that you can't declare a national emergency to do something unconstitutional. That's not the point. You can't say, national emergency, you don't have your freedom of speech anymore. That is completely and totally unconstitutional. So, those are the two things that really concern me about everything that's happening in Virginia. And honestly, if I was in Virginia, I would be doing the same thing. The government is slowly taking away their guns until they have no more. These are just the first steps in doing that. But as I've already mentioned, we're going to get to some of the things people are saying on Twitter that are pretty much completely absurd. But let's just start with the first one. So they said, this is what's happening in Virginia right now. Trump's America. And then they have the video of the whole gun rally, people with guns in the streets Again, it was a peaceful protest. They even said the Pledge of Allegiance. No one got hurt. This is a fully peaceful thing. And then they also said, hashtag I stand with Virginia. The thing that bothers me specifically about this tweet is Trump's America. What Trump is doing is he's standing up for the Second Amendment. So by saying, oh, this Trump's America people in the street with guns, they're protesting the fact that you're taking them away and specifically violating the Constitution. So that's just one, that that bothers me a lot, but this one bothers me even further. So this person says, these people are literally walking around in camo and body armor and like seven different guns strapped to their person, all with the intent to and sole purpose of intimidating people. This is terrorism, folks. Two things that concern me about this tweet. First, 
all with the intent to and sole purpose of intimidating people. They're not intimidating people. It's a rally. They are rallying for their rights. The Virginia government is taking away those rights and they're protesting the fact that they are doing that. You are specifically violating the Constitution. Virginia government is specifically violating the Constitution. They're not trying to scare people. They're not trying to intimidate people. They're, what they're trying to do is protest the, protest the new laws in Virginia, which is something that's completely okay. Now, if someone was to fire a gun at someone else, that would be a very, very bad thing. But people in Virginia have this right, and their sole purpose isn't to intimidate people. It's to protest the new absurd laws that specifically violate the supreme law of the land. And then the second thing that gets me even more is, this is terrorism, folks. Now, you'll have to explain to me why people are literally taking video like five feet away from from these people holding go guns and s saying the Pledge of Allegiance. If this was terrorism, which terrorism is a very bad thing, I'm not sure you'd get video cameras in like five feet from all the quote-unquote terrorists. This is not terrorism. Not at all. Now let's just say, for example, we all of a sudden live in America where all guns are banned. Now you can't protect yourself, the government can do whatever they want, and you can't do anything about it because the people can't protect themselves against tyranny because they don't have any guns. Now then, the American government can pr promote terrorism. But if you have people who are, who are defending against tyranny, you can't have the American government terrorize people in the first place. So this is not terrorism, this is anti-terrorism. There are good guys who stop bad guys with guns all the time. People want to have the right to defend themselves. And that the simple idea that I want to defend myself in my home or in public with my family, that does not mean you're a terrorist at all. Terrorism is bad, but these people are not terrorists at all. No one got hurt. No one shot at each other. And then the last tweet about this. This is not what the founders had in mind when writing the Second Amendment. Full caps, this is not my America. I stand with Virginia. So, let's just talk about this for a second. Why did the founders put the Second Amendment in the Constitution in the first place? Now, to understand that question, we have to go back to the fact to where the, the founders had been before this. They were fighting a war against a complete tyranny, the British and the king, who taxed them, who put insane amount of taxes on them. They, you know, they had the founders had flags, don't tread on me. They went to war and they ended up winning. So when the founders created the Constitution, they didn't want to see something like this happen again. For example, tyranny. They did not want to see tyranny take over the United States. They wanted it to have a democracy where the people could be left alone from the government. Now, they did put in the Declaration of Independence a couple of things that the government needed to ensure and protect specific inalienable rights. But this is exactly what the founders had in mind. The quote I just mentioned is by Ben Franklin. You have a tyranny when the people are afraid of the government. You have a democracy when the government's afraid of the people. Well, what's one way the government would be afraid of the people? If the people had guns. One thing the British tried to do is take away all their guns so the American people 
the, the British colonies were hopeless in doing so. The reason why they put the Second Amendment in the Constitution wasn't for hunting, which you can go hunting, I'm fine with that, but was to protect against tyranny. Now, what the Democrats and people in, people in the Virginia government are doing is they're trying to slowly take away these rights, which I'm not saying they're trying to promote tyranny from that, but slow steps forward, 50 to 100 years, no one has guns, that would be a very different, very bad situation for the United States. Isn't it kind of scary that the government is taking away these rights? Okay, so before we move on, I'd like to just get to, uh, we, are, we have to play a video clip, right? So here is some of the people at the rally chanting, chanting the Pledge of Allegiance at the protest. Now, you can't see it in the video, obviously, it's just an audio clip, but there are many people holding don't tread on me flags. This is not what the founders had in mind. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that created the don't tread on me or join in or die flags, things like that. Okay, so the last thing I would like to get to today is a crazy CNN article that claims that the American dream is better in Canada. So let's just get to a little bit of what they have to say. So they say, quote, if you're born in the United States, having wealthy parents matters a great deal to your chances of success, according to a new report. Individuals born into poorer families have a better chance of owning a home, getting a good education, and experiencing a better life than their parents if they were born in Canada. Uh, than if, if they were born in Canada than if they were born in the United States. In other words, Canadians have a better shot at the American dream than Americans do. That's according to the World's Economic Forum Global Social Mobility Index, which ranks 82 countries on their citizens' ability to fulfill their potential regardless of their social, socioeconomic backgrounds. Now, to understand what they're talking about, what is the American dream? Now, to me, the American dream is the idea that everyone has a shot to make it at the top. Now, is it going to be hard to make it to the top? Yes. But if you have an idea, you have a business idea, it doesn't matter the socioeconomic background you come from. You can create a business, you can get wealthy, you can use the American dream and the rights protected in the United States to help you get to the top. Now, Google definition says, the ideal by which equality or opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. Now, notice that they said the ideal by which uh, equality of opportunity. Now, they said opportunity. They didn't say to have the American dream, everyone has to be super rich. That's not what the American dream is. The American dream is the idea that anyone can make it to the top if they want to work hard. Now, let's go back to what they said. Individuals born into poor families have a better chance of owning a home, getting a good education, and experiencing a better life than their parents if they were born in the United States than if they're in Canada than if they were born in the United States. So basically what they're saying is if you're born in a lower socioeconomic status, you're more likely to have a home and a good education in Canada than you are in the United States. 
Now, of course, it's good to have a good education and to have a house, you know, to have a happy, successful life. But you got to realize that the Canadians, the Canadian government has a lot more socialistic aspects to it than the United States does. The American dream isn't that everyone is prosperous. It's the idea that if you want to be prosperous and you're willing to work hard for it, you can achieve that. So the fact that people can get a better education and own a home regardless of their socioeconomic status in Canada doesn't necessarily mean a lot, and I'll explain why. So based on the same sentence, what CNN is saying that socialism promotes the American dream. Now let's take a look at this again. Socialism, or let's just say communism for this example. Everyone gets the same amount of wealth, they pay 100% taxes, there's a complete tyranny, all that other terrible stuff, but everyone gets a job, everyone is equal, has equal wealth, things like that, everyone gets a home, everyone has a job, even though it's different, everyone gets the same education, communism has complete control, but does that not promote the American dream, according to CNN? It says, basically, under CNN's definition is, having more people who have a home is promoting the American dream. So what CNN is saying is that socialism and communism promote the American dream, when in reality what they're not getting is it's not socialism that giving everyone giving everyone a house, giving everyone a free house is promoting the American dream. That's not what it is. What the real definition of the American dream is, is it's capitalism, which we see more than ever in the United States. Now, the, the United States of America has had very high economic growth from 1985 to 2015. We've seen this because it's as high as 2.9%. Additionally, over 50% of all medical things are patented in America. That means more people are able to innovate and, and make things in America than anywhere else that provide life-saving equipment. Now, say I want to be rich when I'm older. Regardless of whether I'm poor or rich, I can start this podcast. I have the freedom of speech to start this podcast, and I can make money that way if I want. If that fails, you know what? That's not saying that there is no such thing as the American dream. It just means that not enough people are interested. But, say I were to do this, lots of people are listening, I get the money I need to keep doing this podcast, what CNN is saying is this is only the American dream, when that's not in reality what it is. We see more innovation, we see more GDP growth in the United States than ever. Capitalism has brought billions of people out of poverty, and that's according to Fox News' Kennedy. So what CNN is saying that the American dream is socialism and socialist ideals and giving everyone the same thing, that is not the American dream. The American dream is simply the idea that someone can make it to the top if they're willing to work hard. So socialism isn't the American dream, capitalism is, and that's what we are seeing in the United States. That's it for today's episode of Give Me Liberty. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on Wednesday.